You're listening to The Room Block Podcast, a series of conversations with compelling professionals from the world of events and hospitality. I'm your host, Jen Salerno. I've spent the last 20 years in different facets of the industry, working alongside a variety of people that have one common goal, to serve our customers by creating memorable experiences. Now, I want to share with you the passions, inspirations, and challenges of the individuals who make it happen. Welcome to The Room Block and enjoy your stay. This episode is brought to you by JTS Connect, offering host, MC, and moderation services for live or virtual events, as well as podcast hosting and consultation. Please email me at jtsalerno at gmail.com or visit me on LinkedIn to learn more. Greetings, RoomBlock Podcast listeners. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the podcast where hospitality and event professionals meet. Did you know that the RoomBlock is now part of the Hospitality FM family? Founded by Will Slickers, who is a past podcast guest of mine and host of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast, Hospitality FM is a podcast network dedicated to bringing the best hospitality-focused podcast to those in and around the industry. From food and beverage, guest experience, diversity and inclusion, tech, operations, hotels, vacation rentals, live events, and so much more, Hospitality FM is passionate about giving the industry a prominent and louder voice to reach more listeners by going all in on audio. Visit hospitality.fm to reach a portfolio of 14 podcasts and growing and thousands of episodes all about this industry that we hold so dearly. I kicked off March, which was Women's History Month, with a powerhouse of a guest, Anka Trifan, founder and CEO of Trifan Events. If you didn't catch that episode, definitely give it a listen. Shortly after that episode was released, Anka made it to the Women to Watch list, which was a list curated by another amazing woman and past RoomBlock podcast guest, Courtney Stanley of Courtney Stanley Consulting. So what better way to end this month of female celebration by adding one more incredible female voice? In this episode of The Room Block, I am joined by Jolene Jang, who was coincidentally also named one of the women to watch. Yeah, I know. I surround myself with some pretty awesome people. But in addition to this title, Jolene has many more. She is a culture explorer, a curiosity catalyst, a DEI educator, a fun specialist, and a meeting maximizer. She has a history of building community through creativity and innovation and working with Fortune 500 companies as a speaker and consultant. However, today Jolene is wearing a new hat. She comes to us as an Asian inclusivity expert and Stop Asian Hate advocate. Her mission is to introduce people to Asian American concerns and to illustrate the insidious hate and persistent effect this has on Asians across all aspects of their lives. What does this have to do with hospitality and events, you ask? This is exactly why I have invited Jolene onto the show. Because I didn't know either. And as hospitality workers, meeting and event organizers, and community builders, the experiences of our guests, colleagues, and customers truly matters to us. You wouldn't be in this industry or listening to this podcast if it didn't. 
So as we close out Women's History Month, I ask you to listen. Listen as Jolene Jang speaks up for the many who can't or won't speak for themselves for reasons that you will hear about in this episode. Maybe you'll be inspired to speak up as well. The more of us who do, the faster we can stop Asian hate. I am very excited today to welcome my guest who joins me all the way from the West Coast. She is calling in. Uh, we are recording currently and it's quite early in the morning for her. So thank you very much for joining me, Miss Jolene Jang. Jolene Jang is an Asian inclusivity expert who I came across in the LinkedIn world as so often happens these days. So Jolene, welcome to the show. Thank you. Asian inclusivity expert. Have you ever heard of that? I have to say I have not. This is a new, a brand new title for me. Me neither. And <laughs> I, I, I am just, there needs to be an Asian inclusivity expert. Um, Asians, there are a lot of Asians out there and yet nobody knows anything about us at well, all. That's why you're here, Jolene, because you are going to, I'm hoping, <laughs> tell me and my audience a bit about some of the challenges that Asians are going through today. And you are going to tell us about how that factors in to this fabulous industry of hospitality and events. Um, but first, before we go into that, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are? Who is Jolene Jang and like, what's your professional background? Yes. Well, um, I am, I think I, I'm going to share with this with you because people don't know about Asians. So I am ethnically Japanese, Chinese, and Swedish, and I'm culturally Japanese American. Oh. And I think that people don't share this. And I want actually people to know because we need to get the word out there of how diverse we really are. I am, um, I've been, let's see, my company, I think 26 years or so. And uh, <laughs> so I was the, for ILEA, for Washington State, I ran the events for three years here and I'm in Seattle. And then I went over to the uh, speaking, National Speakers Association. So I was president of that for three years for the Washington State and spoke a lot about meeting maximizing, the meeting maximizer, how to engage your audiences. Because yes. out here, I've, I did a lot of events with Microsoft and Starbucks and a lot of progressive companies when team building was a thing, when that was new and games and fun in the workplace. Right. So I did, yeah, so a long time ago, but I, I have done that for a long time. And so um, basically my background is speaking, event planning, and engaging audiences. I am lucky, not lucky to have a short attention span. <laughs> and so I understand how to grab people and invite them in. And I do feel if somebody is falling asleep in a session, it is the session leader's fault. They need to recognize and change it up, adapt to the audience, know your audience. So um, that's my background. And I do a lot um, in terms of um, social media. And recently I talk about innovation because I'm in Seattle and there's a lot of technology. How do you differentiate your tech services uh, when you're, all your workers are white, Chinese and Indian males who wear skinny jeans and the white guys have the beards. Um, <laughs> and, and so it's like, it's, it's like the homogeneous group 
So how do you get innovation if everybody lives in the same place, works out the same place and eat at the same place? How do you invite other ideas? You have to, um, you got to get diverse and not just diverse in terms of ethnicity, but you got to get like some people who are maybe over 60. Oh my gosh, who knows anybody? Oh, what? <laughs> right. And, and so it's, it's really the power of curiosity to innovate. Um, however, recently, um, you know, with COVID and everything, I am talking about Asian inclusivity because uh, we are being hurt. Um, Asians are being hurt. So um, that's my background. I, I would like to share with you what happened yesterday. Yes, I, I think it's it's relatable and, um, and and shares the importance of listening. <laughs> so, um, please do. Yeah. So, Jen, have you had a conversation when you're sharing what's important to you, and the other person says, "No, nah, that's not important." I have. <laughs> yeah, I'm a female. I have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they're minimizing it. your concerns, they're not listening, and they're telling you what the problem is when you are trying to be heard and share what you are feeling. So diversity, equity, inclusion is about creating a place of belonging and listening is imperative in order to understand this because uh, we're not all the same. And the problem is if, oh, you know, you, you, Jen and I were maybe similar in age, we're both in the industry. Oh, we probably feel the same way about something. No, uh, maybe not. So the other day I was, um, several Asians were invited to this exploratory conversation about bringing in Asian inclusivity to this. It's a different industry, but it also is very white. And so they've never had uh, Asian inclusivity. What is that? Sometimes there's like for this conference, uh, there may be like one session on DEI to explain what DEI is, but certainly not a day and certainly not Asians. So we Asians were invited in and okay. the white coordinator shared her vision to educate uh, the attendees and how to be Asian inclusive and to talk about diversity. And so great job. There were five of us on the call, three Asians, um, the coordinator and a white male. So the purpose is Asian inclusion. So the first minutes we were talking back and forth um, for the first few minutes to what with our Asian perspectives, like what is important to include in this program? So, and then the coordinator explained her vision. So to have this full day of diversity talks and then to wrap it up with unity. So that sounds great. However, uh, the, the white gentleman then talked about his vision and his company and how we should focus on the commonalities, not the differences. So out of the 45 minute meeting, how much time do you think he spoke? <laughs> What do, you, what do you think, Jen? 43 minutes? <laughs> yeah, it was probably 38, 39 minutes. Wow. So this is the white male talking about his vision and what is most important for this diversity talk about Asians. Interesting uh, perspective that yeah. he brings to that table. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and very common perspective. Um, and he was just so adamant that we've got to talk about the commonalities, not the differences. And uh, we Asians took turns saying, mm, well, it's really, these are the barriers that prevent people from knowing about Asians because you don't want to talk about it. Um, it wasn't said quite like that because we're Asian, um, but <laughs> it was like small 
like quick things. And then, no, 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 let me talk for two seconds. Let me, I'll give it back to you. You know, he kept barging in, taking up all the space in the room. Mm-hmm. And, and so what the, and I'm sure he's well-intentioned and yeah, who doesn't want to unite, right? But that's not, that's ignoring the problem. Um, this program was to put a spotlight and amplify Asian voices. And when you want to ignore what we're saying and not talk about race and not talk about these barriers, that's not helpful. That That is the opposite of what we're trying to do here. And so it's just like, you know, if you can't identify the problem, then you can't talk about it. Exactly. And another thing is trigger words. I think this is important to understand that unity, isn't that a universal word? word? Unity. Oh, yeah. Unite. Well, no, not not for everybody, because the last few years when I hear unite, I think about unite the right. I think Mm. about white supremacist messages when it's from a white male of power. No. Um, If it were from a black woman, then okay. And maybe like um, people of color unity and, and, but no. And so you have these trigger words that I'm sure probably your audience members don't, don't know that. Why would they, but there are these words and, and, and also let's, uh, Drop the labels. Uh, let's not. Let's focus on the commonalities. Um, you're saying let's ignore the differences. Um, people are all the same. We all bleed the same. I don't see color. Why has it got to be about race? Um, let's everybody be nice. So these are like the top ten things that racists say. Right. So and and I know that people don't know that, but. But I, I'm saying this, and so so your audience can know. Okay, these are offensive because they're ignoring the problem. And if we don't understand the problem, then we're going to continue having that problem. Totally makes sense, and I I get that. Like you said, like there's possibly this kind of good intention yeah, behind yeah. these yeah. the words like unity. You know. Um, Let's focus on the commonalities. Like, just like put the push away the negatives. Yeah. Like, the, those She's don't not exist. There. Why? But like, I mean, <laughs> how can someone explain what someone else's experience is? I mean, that's why I started. One reason I started yeah. this podcast, frankly, it was because I mean, it was to highlight just the different experiences of each role that comes into this industry, and then I've kind of expanded to. Like, it doesn't have to be just about how each role within our industry factors in. I mean, like, I, I like to talk about everybody's experiences. So, you know, that's why, you know, I do have some shows that focus on DEI just because it's such an important topic today. And if, it's like if I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, focusing on different people's perspectives from a professional standpoint, well, guess what? Like, you know, those personal experiences also highly factor into it as well. That is also why I wanted to have you here on the show to like, you know, share your perspective and you know, what's going on. This is a, this is an area of DI that I haven't dived into yet that the Asian experience. And I think yeah. that it's something that isn't necessarily in the forefront of a lot of people's minds when they to think put about it lightly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm wondering if you can share why this is important for the events and hospitality industry. Like, what yes. do you want 
my audience to consider or keep in mind when we're talking about Asian inclusivity, why it's important? Thank you for asking. Um, usually not asked. So thank you for that. So it's important for um, hospitality to know because this is a big growing market and, and for business people in general, but particularly hospitality, because the API, Asian Pacific American market is the fastest growing market. So it's, it's the fastest growing population in America. And Asian Americans have the fastest growing buying power. And that's $1.2 trillion currently. Okay. And, and so that's more, um, the black and Hispanic communities are double and tw- three times, but this is, this is the highest. And so, and the fastest growing. So Asian Americans also have the highest incomes and, and, and that's including uh, white households and they're the highest educated. So as you look at this population, you know, if you're looking, okay, you're assessing the market. Okay. Where can we make more money? How can we take um, more, more business? Well, Asians, even though we are only 6%, there is a lot of money there and yes. it is an underserved market. Um, let me give you a couple examples of how underserved. I mean, there's this, um, a shirt company. It's, it's an Asian shirt company, Asian American, because Asian guys, you know, it's like, it's a different body type. And so it's always for, for guys, Asian guys, it's always very big at the waist. It's baggy at the waist. And, you know, Asians totally. like to look sharp. And so there's an Asian fit for that. Um, and then Oakley has Asian fit for glasses. And then Do there's, they? yeah, yeah. And there's, um, when I went shooting, um, as many Asians are, taking up arms. I'm not oh. saying here or there, but I'm just saying that is a thing because we have to defend ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned about the Asian fit and there are a number of glass companies who are taking this up. And there's a bra company, Asian American who has a bra company, you know, it's like, Oh, thank you. Cause, cause I have to go get bras in Vietnam, you know, and in different wow. places where my, where I'm, I'm big as a person in Vietnam, I'm an extra large in some of these places. So it's an underserved market, but let's take it back to hospitality. When you think about tourism, so how yes. many tourists are from Asia? There was a ton. I think there was 12 million visitors before COVID. And Asians, we, they do hear about America. Everybody has a gun and, and all these things. And actually, mm-hmm. I didn't know that was true, but I think it is. <clears throat> and, and, you know, they want to be safe. So when they go to a hotel or going to events, what are you going to do to keep them safe? They are going to go to an Asian owned hotel maybe because Mm. they may understand. And, and so there, if you look at the numbers of money coming into events and hotels, there is a ton of money. And a lot of people do not acknowledge Asians or understand um, how to be appealing and attract them. So, oh, a question for you. Well, you may have seen some of my programs. So uh, how many uh, hotels and motels are owned in America by Asian, Asian Americans? Wait, I do. I did see this. <laughs> That's okay. I forget, but yes. it was really high. I mean, it was like, yeah. what, 80%? Something? Yeah. So it's 60% in, Amer- in America in general. In Texas, how you would say like, oh, probably like 1% Asians probably do not want to be in Texas. Um, no, it's 80%. 80. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, and if you have events and conferences at hotels and venues, uh, you might want to partner 
And are they, are the Asian Americans are they going to partner with people who are like, don't understand Asians and are racist? Um, I you would know, think not. probably not. So it's like, it is worthwhile to learn about Asians and Asian Americans if you want part of that market. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that is a very big reason. And, and also, so if you want to attract employees and more clients and, and also not make a mistake with uh, <laughs> not, if you don't have any Asians at your company or that are speaking up or that you, in your leadership team, you can make some big problems and get some lawsuits on your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have time to share some of the lawsuits, but when you are culturally insensitive, that can bring you problems. There's I just, would think so. Yeah. yeah. You're talking about just trying to learn about yeah. um, the culture and, and how to work with the, with the culture and work with Asians and cater to them. I mean, that's, I'm sorry, but like, that's like, the, that's the minimum. I mean, it's just like an acknowledgement that yeah. this is a culture. This is a culture that is here in the United States, has a big part to play in the hotel business, hospitality. So like, let's just acknowledge that. But then, Jolene, can you tell me a little bit about how Asians are feeling right now? Like, for example, on your website and even on you know, my audience can't necessarily see but on your background it says aren't asians all alike what does that mean like what what does that have to do with how asians are feeling right now and and how that's relevant to what's happening today well uh, asians people think that all asians are chinese so chinese is the biggest population and then South Asian and then Filipinos in, in America. And, and so people just, they don't know anything about Asians. So we're all lumped in the Chinese bucket. This talk, this presentation and consulting was four years ago when I thought, gosh, you know, I, cause I go to all these diversity panels constantly and mm-hmm. accessibility and disability and LGBT and all this. And like, there's never any Asian representation. And it's just like, ah, you know, what do you, what do we do about this? So that's why I have this presentation and to talk about how diverse we are. Um, there's so many factors and there's 23 million Asian Americans in America and, um, you have the country of origin. So there are 48 countries, three territories. You have generations in America. I'm fourth generation in America. So, uh, your generation America really is um, influential on how you navigate your life. For example, I, I took Japanese, um, I audited it in college because, you know, with World War II, my mom was not taught uh, Japanese because you don't want to be Japanese, right? Because they are the enemy, no Japs, um, you know, they're incarcerated. And so um, your generation in the country also talks about how assimilated you are and there depends which which group and and where you are um many times you're taught to be not asian to to not retain these things because we want you we want to give you a, a an american name jolene so you are not teased so you don't have to dread first day of school and people um teasing you and the teacher and they make fun of you and give you nicknames so and then just going through like financial status, uh, when you think of 
I talked earlier and said that Asian Americans make the most incomes. Yes, mm-hmm. they do. And also the least. It is the biggest span. So that, really? I, yeah, America. So I think um, Burmese, uh, Burmese and um, Bangladeshi are on the bottom end. Wow. And so when you're talking about, you know, a Tongan and a Bangladeshi and a Japanese person, it's like all right, night and day. I'm not sure what kind of commonalities you could find there, you know, in, in appearance, in um, temperature that you're living in and just values and family. It's so different. And, um, and then you have people like myself who are mixed Japanese, Chinese, Swedish. Well, I mentioned I'm culturally Japanese American because my Japanese American family is here. My Chinese, my um, grandfather um, died. And then my Swedish side, I met in North Dakota one time. And my grandma, who's blonde, um, I didn't know her very well. So it's, you know, how do I relate? And if right. I were, if I belong to some other community, like if I were a lesbian, well, then maybe a, a lesbian um, identity is more prevalent than the Asian one or, you, you know, so. Oh, I see. So that's what you mean when you say culturally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like and, just and, where are you relating? Where are you yeah. identifying? Because uh-huh. I look one way, but I may identify completely different or I may be adopted and with white parents who grew up in Wisconsin, but, um, people are still hating on me because, you know, they, they think, you know, Hey, I'm Korean, but they think I'm Chinese. And so they're stabbing me. Right. Oh my gosh. Well, so talk, yeah. talk about that because I mean, is, is <clears throat> that, is that what is happening today like this yeah you you speak about the reason that you are advocating yeah here is i mean it's you're saying you stop asian hate like yeah what is this hate about where is it coming from so the hate um (laughs) there are when i when i do a presentation on this i have this um this uh, graph talking about when the politicians and our past um, president talk about Kung flu and China virus and these racist remarks referring referring to COVID nineteen, there the ramifications are spikes in, in tweets about Chinese and different attacks. So when the media says this, it is felt in the Asian community, mm. and so um, Asians, you know, Marjorie Green Taylor, she talks about yellow people and. There's many politicians who are referring to yellow people, and that's not appropriate. Yellow is never good. Um, And for example, when I'm on Zoom here, um, I make sure that I look more pink than than yellow. I never want to be called yellow. Um, So there are these things that people have these stereotypes. And so don't call me yellow. It is not like being called black. Yellow is associated with yellow peril, um, with yellow terror. So when you talk about... um, History-wise, mm-hmm. um, Chinese coming to America, where they were told they were um, dregs, um, degraded people, and yellow. Uh, yellow is also associated with jaundice. It's caution. It's disease. It's uh, all these bad things. So fear. Yeah, exactly. And, and so. Um, so don't, you know, don't call us yellow and understand there is history. Um, Chinese were banned. Asians were banned. Um, Chinese were attacked. So there's all these history and legislation of, of Asians coming to America. And then they were kicked out and, and shot down. 
And that's very similar to today. So that hate has always been there, but because of politicians and circumstances, um, hey, let your hate flag fly free. And, and so that's a problem. And so Asians are attacked every day. So um, yesterday there was, no, it was Tuesday. Um, there was another attack with a hammer. So again, uh, a person attacked uh, an Asian in the head. Um, they didn't die. So that's great. Um, so these days I celebrate when an Asian doesn't die. So in New York in the last two months, there were four Asians that, that were killed. Um, that's just in New York. What about the ones in Albuquerque um, who were killed where the um, per perpetrator went into the spa um, twice, two different times and killed an Asian. And there are, I think people will be surprised how many Asians were killed just this year because we don't hear about it in the news. And, you know, the subways, it's not just the few people who died or pushed on the subway tracks. There were so many. I can't tell you how many were, were pushed on the subway tracks. There's So I have this timeline of attacks on JoleneDang.com because people don't believe it. They don't want to believe it. And it's negative. It's gross. But it's real. So I, I suggest to your listeners listen in, you know, because the truth you, you got, you have to understand it. And so how this may relate to your employees or the people that you're working with or your bosses who are Asian, are they safe when they go to work? Are they safe when they walk around? Um, I no longer, I'm this white suburbs um, here in Seattle where it's 16% Asian in, in greater Seattle. I no longer walk around my neighborhood. I used to do five miles a day every day for the last 10 years. Um, and I travel by myself, go to South America, South Africa, do all these things by myself. I no longer walk in my little neighborhood. Really? And, yeah. And you this don't feel safe. No. And this, in this neighborhood, mm -hmm. you know, the houses are 800,000. Um, it, so it's, uh, there's no Trump signs or anything, but that doesn't mean that I, and I've had two incidents myself. Um, and my aunt, really? she was followed from my house to her house, um, for 10 minutes. And then my dad got two death threats. Three white guys were pounding on his, on his, oh, we're going to kill you. Um, and he called the police. They're like, well, what do you want us to do about it? And, and so, yeah, this is rampant. Um, yeah, every... these are all things that are just anecdotal, like you personally yeah. witnessed or your family members or yeah. right in your neighborhood. This is right in my neighborhood. And Ugh. like, no way in your neighborhood. I can't believe that people are so nice. Okay, but you're not Asian. Wow. So, And what happens like online is people say, oh, no, that didn't happen. You misread that or that person, you know, it was just random. You know, how are all of these attacks random? So the AAPI hate group who is recording um, these events or, well, you have to self-report and I haven't reported any of mine, but um, there was over 10,000 and this is from, you know, several months ago. And that's just the reporting uh, uh, in the right. last you know, year and a half. And in the last year, um, one out of five Asians have experienced um, a hate incident. Wow. A and know this, that Asians likely are not going to say anything. So that's just a fraction of what's happening. Right. So, so when you think about your employees, they likely are not that comfortable to stay late, 
to get to work. And maybe if you think about the housekeepers, um, let's say at um, hotels in America, that's 9% Asian. Um, do they feel safe uh, cleaning rooms or, hey, get that chink out of my room, you know, who has COVID? And on, are they taking the bus? And so there's a lot of things that could be happening for Asians that is on their mind. And, you know, it's a very stressful time. Um, I don't leave my house and I do not think I'm paranoid at all. So it's just, it's a safer way for me to be. And, um, but seeing on Instagram and being in all these Asian American groups, seeing all the stabbings and kids being Asian kids being beat up, um, by other kids and just constant attacks. I have nightmares. And um, so I try and, and look at these attacks so I can report on them in the morning so I cannot do that. But, you know, there's, you may say, oh, I talked to my Asian friend and she's, she's fine. Well, that's what she's telling you because you, you may not want to hear how she's doing and she may not want to share how the last 35 years have been for her as an Asian growing up in Texas. So understand that you likely don't know your Asian friend that well. And, you know, do you, do you know where they're from? What their ethnicity is? How do they relate? Um, you know, was that their given name? Um, what's important to them? What holidays do they celebrate? Uh, you know, a lot of people just like, oh, I think they're Asian. I don't know where from, but yeah, they're Asian. Well, that doesn't count for understanding Asian culture. Right. And, you know, and, and it's like, so I created Empowered Asians because we need a place to be able to not code switch and just talk about our feelings and thoughts because Asians, we, we're not brought up to tell your feelings. No, you keep that inside and bottle up until you break down. Um, and so Empowered Asians. And then another group, Asian Allies, is where we talk about all these challenges for non-Asians to understand and speak up. And with only 6%... Asians, we need, we need everybody else to speak up, particularly, you know, white people, 60%, you have the power. And so to speak up and it doesn't take that much effort, um, on your end and Jen doing this podcast and having a diverse, um, guest, that is incredibly powerful. And, and so I appreciate that. So anyways, those are a couple things that I'm working on and, um, Asians, are being hated on right and left. And it's not just the murders. You know, I can't tell you how many times I hear of um, Asians saying, yeah, I was asked, um, you know, did you saute that bat today? Or is it dog tomorrow? Is it stir fried dog? And that's very common. That doesn't go well, right? So in the workplace, there's all these little microaggressions that, uh, you know, death by a thousand cuts that yes that people are not aware of well you know you mentioned uh, code switching and that's something that i had no awareness of right can you just describe briefly for the audience yeah. like what that is exactly code switching is where you can't be yourself where in another podcast so jen i've listened to some of your podcasts and i've had a conversation with you i feel like you're very open, inclusive, and want to learn. So I am going to assume that our, your audience is similar to you, maybe. And so I feel like I can say the word white without people saying, what? 
why is it got to be about why you have to mention the race? Why do you have to talk about color? Hmm. You know, we don't we shouldn't talk about it at all. So that's where I have to decide. Can I say the word white? Do I need to smile a bunch and come across very light and fluffy so I can be digestible for the audience? Um, and how truthful should I say, should I be? Mm-hmm. So code switching is usually, um, we learn that from black folks. Uh, so they're code switching uh, because they don't want to be the angry black woman. I mean, that's the stereotype. And so right. they need to tone it down and, uh, you know, enunciate and, and, and all of that. Right. And so, um, <laughs> and I didn't, I haven't thought about code switching at all. Until this time, until now, until anti-Asian hate, mm-hmm. where my past current friends, I thought I could say anything, but now I'm, I'm very loudly saying Asians are being attacked every day. Um, can you help? Can you acknowledge this, uh, this article? Can you learn about this? Can you sign this petition? Can you change your frame? Can you show up at this presentation? And the answer is silence is nothing. I have a huge network that is silent for my birthday. Okay. A hundred comments and everything, but it's like nothing else. You know, they want bright and shiny. Yay. Jolene is fun. She's innovative. Always doing something cool and neat. Um, that's who we want. We don't want her to talk about her being Asian. We thought she was one of us. Uh huh. And like that, that thought is so painful to me and it's nothing that I can relate to as a white woman, but like I I have heard it described in the black community. Like that's where it first came to my, to my knowledge. And then I didn't even think about the fact that you or other Asians would have to also have that same experience of just like, I'm just gonna kind of put up this shell around Yep. My true feelings, my true words, my truth in general. And I mean, what you just described is basically saying when you have done that, you are not rewarded with anything nope. positive. You're rewarded Nothing. with there's, there's just the silence or, you know, worse yeah. for some people. So it's, it's just it's very difficult for me to hear yeah. that kind of so thing. Let me t- talk yeah. more about that. Um, so the code switching again, new to me, I'm in a white community, white people all around me. Um, it's, you know, that's it, what it is. And four years ago, when we talked about aren't Asians all alike, when I did all these focus groups with, uh, with Asians in Seattle, it was, it was really wild for all of them. Like I've never been asked about being Asian or Asian things ever, you know, to each. So I, I'm just thinking about this for the first time because wow. it's a default mode. We're in these white communities. So we just keep all these things in. Um, and, and so it's, it's a permanent code switch. It's, it's not even code switching. It's like, you just don't share these things at all. It's like, you're not even allowed to identify. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And, as- and so, yes, exactly. So the empowered Asians that I set up last year, I would have people from around the nation and a couple around the world saying, oh my gosh, I've not had anybody to talk to. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, as I mentioned, Asians and sharing feelings, that's not really, that common. And now we're reaching out for Asian strangers to be able to connect with. 
And so I have all these stories, a lot of them anonymous of what happened to them and crying. And like, this is the first time I have been heard. Mm. Somebody has listened and not gaslit me. And we, you know, I talked to, there's a lot of Asians with white husbands and, you know, I hear from them too, where they're just not, you know, they're good husbands and everything, but they just don't, they don't support. They're not active. They're not, you know, just, yeah, it's fine. You know, just like, don't worry about it. Right. And it's like, this is on my mind right now. I do not feel safe. And my white friends don't understand. So that is a very common thing. Well, and that's why you have to keep talking about it. Although the burden, <laughs> the burden on, on you, it, I mean, I just think it feels great. I mean, how, how many days now have you been in this advocacy role? I mean, do you, do you... Oh my, you know what? I think it may be my one year anniversary. Really? I think it may be, or, or, or something like that because just it was about that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was, you know, just a few short of the anniversary. Cause it was right after Atlanta, after the six Asian, um, after the white guy had a bad day and Ugh. killed six Asians. So, um, so yeah. so, yeah, and it's been uh, 24-7 um, all day long, except for my roofing and dental problems last week and my birthday, but otherwise just all day, every day until people start listening. And it is, it is a big burden that I choose to do because the Asian culture is not to make people feel uncomfortable. We want everybody to feel as comfortable as possible. And uh, I'm, I'm Japanese. And so it's like, it's all about service. There's no tipping in Japan. You take pride in your work, whatever, you know, you may be a garbage sweeper and you take pride in that and you do the best garbage sweeping or, that you can do. And you just want to make it better for everybody. And so the idea of speaking up and saying how you feel bad and uncomfortable and scared, that's not the way to go because other people may feel bad. So there's very few of us to speak. So the handful of us need to speak very loudly and try and get um, Asian allies like yourself to share the word and to talk about, like we're working on this uh, rapid responses to racist rubbish. Um, talking about when people say this to an Asian and you are nearby, what do you say? Um, you know, mm. why has it got to be about color? Uh, why do you have to divide us? We're just all, we're all have problems. It's not, you know, and it's just random. We're just all the same. And, um, I don't see it. You know, I married an Asian and she's fine. And, or I know a black person, so I'm not racist. Um, so cause we hear all these, these, these 10, you know, main things and yeah. we need white people to say, well, tell me more about that. How did you come up with that idea? You know, and invite them to share their background and then to kind of course correct, you know, if possible, <laughs> so, yes, I, I love that idea of meeting everything you hear, basically, with just that curiosity. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to be aggression necessarily, because I don't I think that would probably stop the conversation in its yeah. tracks. You would stop the any progress you could possibly make. But that curiosity of like. Where did you come up with that concept? <laughs> Where, what makes you think that? I, I like that. I mean, that's that's just a, one really good takeaway I think from this conversation so far of just like what can someone do as an ally, um, just to try to, you know, 
dig in a little bit more and to just, just try to, I don't want to say softly change things because I think we, there does have to be a, a firmer approach. Well, um, so the firm we can't, comes, we can't yeah. take the time, right? So, so the, the firm piece comes in with the learning, you know, watch the videos, the podcasts, or, or read the articles or the books, talk to Asians, listen, 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 listen. So it's like, first you got to get aware and then figure out strategies of what to do. Um, and also make mistakes. Here's the thing, like with, let's say with my network of uh, my, my past recent network, it's like no mistakes. These are white liberal women. No, we just don't know what to say. So we won't. Okay. Not helpful. Not helpful. Zero helpful. Make mistakes, say the wrong thing on accident. And it showed that you tried, um, in Asian allies. Yeah. We make mistakes and we learn from it and like, Oh, did I just say, okay, I understand that now. Thank you for sharing with me so I can be more effective. Um, and you know, in the, let's say in the event industry, it's, it's reaching out a hand. So Joan Eisenstadt is a champion in the event community and she's a white Jewish lady and it's just an advocate for everyone mm-hmm. and not in all lives matter, but in, in marginalized groups. And so she has got us these opportunities in the different in MPI and PCMA and in these different groups, right? And to get into the DEI groups because DEI doesn't mean, oh, well, Jolene, aren't Asians represented in DEI? No, no, they're not because they're not running. Usually, um, you, you know, likely it's going to be a black woman or maybe a gay man. And, um, and how, you know, as a DEI person, how do you know everything you don't? And Asians aren't right. like necessarily saying, Hey, include me. No. Right. So it's, it's like Asians, you know, we need to speak up and, and others need to make us comfortable so we're not shut down so we can feel supported to speak up. So, um, um, exactly. John, yeah. So Joan has been really instrumental in using her voice of, of all of her influence and also her experience as a Jewish woman to give us a hand and say, Hey, you know what? I didn't see any Asians represented on that last MPI conference. Let's, you know, that's a problem. And so she got us a panel, you know, and and it's just, it's, it's just these, um, these ways to do it. And Jenny, Jenny Ng, another champion. So she's Chinese. She introduced me to you. Yes. And and so it's just helping give, give a connection, give some credibility and, um, and connect and look around. Are there any Asians around you at all? Well, on that note, (laughs) what do you think about, the industry events and hospitality. I mean, what kind of Asian American representation do you see in this industry? Um, yeah, very little. Uh, that doesn't mean there's not any Asians in the industry. That means ones of prominence, um, ones of influence. You know, when you look at the panels, the speakers, uh, the people who are out in front in leadership positions, how many Asians are there? Very, very few. Yeah. And and so um, John Chen is a champion here. Um, he's Chinese. He's in Seattle and a tech guy. And so he put together um, API event profs. And so there is a group of us who are making effort of Asians to put forth, hey, let's get some Asian representation. 
And it's hard because people don't know. And so that's why now I'm taking the tact of, hey, money, money speaks. There's a lot of money out there that you could secure. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, you know, hey, I understand. We want everybody to like, oh, you should like Asians. We're so nice or whatever. It's like, <laughs> like, no, hey, you want money? Go out there and be inclusive and you will be you'll be rewarded. And then hopefully you will understand the diversity of Asians and how lovely we are or whatever. Um, you know, I don't know. I can't speak for that because Asians is again, 48 countries, you know, three territories, and we're very, very different. And I certainly don't like all Asians, you know? So, um, so there's not much going on there, but there are, um, we're starting some movement. And so there is a LinkedIn group, AA, um, API Invent Profs and a Facebook group. And we need um, Asian allies to join that. Um, and, you know, we'll see. I, I think it's, you know, where you can start is hire an Asian inclusivity expert because you got to look around in your company. Um, do you have any Asians? Well, if you're looking for more, more clients and that client, let's say, is Asian, Asian American, and they look and see, the, oh, white faces everywhere. Hmm. Would I feel comfortable there? Would they understand my needs? Um, or do I want to put my money in one of the 60% of the other hotels that are Asian owned? Right. Right. And, yep. and so how, if you want our business, but you have no Asians on your staff, uh, I don't know. It might be tough to attract Asians because you have to reflect your audience. Right. You're just, you're not getting the full story of what your service offerings could and should be to the full gamut of potential audience. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you mentioned that you yes. could hire an Asian inclusivity expert. So could you tell us a little bit about how my audience could find you as as one of those yeah. service offerings? <laughs> so JolieneJang.com, and I do have a ton of free resources about articles of about the Asian American experience because um, you know, I, I do believe there are people who do want to understand and be inclusive. Um, and in terms of your business, yeah, you gotta, we've got to do an assessment, you know, what's going on with your company, um, and look at the market in your particular, uh, region. Um, is there a big financial opportunity to include Asians to target market or to employ, um, and, and look at your policies and your procedures, uh, because you may have some disability, um, like, oh, well, we, we need to make sure to have closed captions and we need to make sure to have um, ramps, et cetera. Well, you know, we need to do that with an Asian lens as well. Mm -hmm. And and also, you know, a great way to start is with uh, May, Asian Pacific Heritage Month. Ah. Um, right. So to take some of these holidays as an excuse, I, I wish you didn't have to have one, but to kick it <laughs> off. Right. And let people know that Asians uh, are out there. And I think it's fascinating. I've, I've been studying uh, Asian Americans for a little bit now, and it is fascinating. And I'm learning more about my culture and other cultures and about my parents and about so many, so many things. So even though, you know, I'm talking about how it's important, but it's really interesting. And so, I mean, there's, there's all these little bits and pieces that are fascinating. And, um, before COVID and everything, I was making this, my aren't Asians all like about 
fun and innovation and different culture. Now it's a bit heavier. And we talk about history because you have to understand mm. and about business, the business opportunities and how to not get sued. So when you can understand the culture, then you, you're less likely to get sued because you'll have Asians in the room to, to run that past. And you need to have more than one, right? Because my opinion is going to be different than other people. Yes. So however, like I would say like what I'm doing because I'm one person and I mix and I'm, um, I'm vocal and I'm a leader, I am listening to these different Asian American groups of 12,000 and of 8,000 of Japanese Americans of 5,000. So I'm listening. So I do um, have a good handle on what many, many Asian Americans are thinking about. Well, and that's why you are out doing what you're doing. And I'm sure the community thanks you for being so vocal and for playing you know, such a huge role. <laughs> you know, the other day, Jenny Ng, she thanked me with um, nominating me to be, you know, a woman to watch. Oh, right. So, so, that, so that was really exciting because it's tough. You know, I don't, uh, not a lot of recognition from other Asians, right? You know, it's like, Jolene, just keep your head down, just like us. Good. I think no, it's, it's, we should scream, scream your name from the rooftops. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. Things are, things are coming around and, and there are, there are some good things here and there. Um, it's, it's little by little, but that doesn't, even though there are some like Sesame street, having a Korean American, uh, character, which is mind blowing. And oh. then, um, Queen Latifah on the equalizer, they're doing a stop Asian hate, um, episode this weekend. So that's a big deal. Okay. And, and so there, you know, and Anna Mae Wong, who's a um, Hollywood star is on a quarter coming up and there's this whole women's mm -hmm. um, campaign. So there's these little things, but that doesn't stop Asians um, from being killed. Right. So we, we just got to do more and, and we can do that with education. Yes, for sure. Well, so I have one final question for you and this is a surprise question, but, and honestly, it's, <laughs> it's funny because I feel like I suppose the whole episode could be considered a complaint, if you will. So I, I like to ask each of my guests, do you want to issue a compliment or a complaint about anything, anything in general? And so I believe I know what your complaint is because we were just talking about <laughs> the, the whole episode of this challenge. But aside from that, <laughs> do you have any anything at all that you would like to issue a compliment or a complaint about? I would like to make a compliment to all the people um, that I've met in this last year uh, because my, my old network is, is dormant and silent and silence to me, silence is violence. And, and so for the, per like, like you, Jen and Jenny Ng and Joan Eisenstadt, I mean, like the people who validate, who hear me because as an Asian voice, I am used to not being heard the last couple of years. Usually like I'm, I'm in charge on the president and I'm doing all these things, but now, Ooh, I'm Asian. Oh. And so it takes, it takes some courage it is not popular to acknowledge Asians or to like, or to comment or even acknowledge any of the pain or even have anything to do with Asians, it's not popular. And it, it takes that courage from allies to help us like survive because it gets really difficult. And whenever, like I have my Asian allies weekly, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just, 
I'm so glad it's like a huge, I'm not a hugger, but like, it'd be an equivalent to like a, a hugger person. Like, Oh, it's just an embrace where I'm going to be accepted. I don't have to code switch and nobody has to do this. They go way out of their way to acknowledge me. And I just, you know, I'm kind of getting teary right now. So I, I want to thank all of you for that. That is a wonderful compliment. I mean, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to have you here on the show just to talk about this because I have to be one of those people who say like, I didn't know. I didn't know. And I hunger to know about anything and everything. So yes, so thank you. I hope that my audience found this valuable and insightful and just, you know what? Just some things to think about, right? just some things to think about and consider because like we said you just you don't know unless you know so as you move forward in your hiring process in your marketing process in your day-to-day hanging out with your colleagues or on a zoom call just just some things to consider everybody's got something you know something that that's painful for them so maybe just consider what that might be for some of your asian colleagues and see if they're okay. Well said. And they might not say anything. So also consider that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jolene, for being on the show. I will put all of your information in the show notes. So my audience knows how to find you if they are interested in hiring you as an Asian inclusivity expert, or just looking to find all the wonderful resources that you have on your website. So thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you for being here today with me and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you.